You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. I want to show you a picture. The picture's not very good, but I think you'll like the caption. Have you ever seen this before? For those of you that can't see it online, it's a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at a TV while he's holding a drink and a cigarette, and, and uh, he says, uh, it says, when someone from your past sees you on TV preaching to the multitudes, and he says, I used to do drugs with that guy. <clears throat> Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> Wasn't a great picture, but I, I mean, clear, very clear picture, but it was... Uh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> There's people from my high school that have, have uh, you know, we're, we're Facebook friends now, quote unquote friends, and I, I know they've, I've seen them peek into live stream and they see videos, on, you know, pictures from wherever, you know, Brazil or places we've been, and I could just imagine that's what some of them are, are thinking. I thought that guy was dead. <clears throat> he is. <laughs> Jesus killed him. Loved me to death. <laughs> it's good. I, I love that Nikki opened up with wealth, wealth mindsets as far as um, tithing goes, but wealth mindset is that Actually, tithing or money is a very small percentage of a wealth mindset. A wealth mindset uh, lives out of the, the abundance mindset, that I always have more than enough. And stuff is just a small percentage of that, um, is that I'm never in lack. There's a lack mindset and there's, a, and there's a, an abundance mindset. One is a wealth mindset, the abundance mindset is a wealth mindset, and the lack mindset is a poverty mindset. It says that I need to hoard all that I can because I'll never, I'll never have enough and I'm afraid to run out. And the only thing that money does is it actually highlights what I believe. My giving highlights my mindset and also in my day-to-day. It's uh, wealth mindset is quality over quantity. Um, the poverty mindset says I'd rather go to a buffet than uh, the wealth mindset says I'd rather have a smaller portion that's better food. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, it's indicators. There's things that, because there's two things that I know for sure is that Jesus is always the answer and it's always about what I believe. Jesus is, is always the answer, and it's always about what I believe. Because my beliefs are the, are the biggest part of my life. Because what I believe is, what, is the reality that I will live out of all of the time. And when I first got into ministry, I thought it was all about me changing the world. And God so if I showed me that it was all about Him actually changing me. And it was all about Him changing my beliefs. Because you and I are, are not, if, if we're all, everybody that's watching... Thanks again for, for tuning in. We're grateful for you. Um, if reg- we're, not any, we're not ever going to be any more saved than what we are right now. You're not going to get more saved, right? You're not going to get more saved than the moment that you said yes to Jesus. I can't be more saved than in that, my, my, that moment. My spirit, the Holy Spirit came in, and in Ephesians it tells me that he's, I've been sealed with him till the day of redemption. I mean, that's good news, right? That makes me happy. But that tells me that, that is a, it's a done deal. Jesus made it a done deal. I, I just had a, He gave me enough common sense to say yes to it and, and, and showed me that I should and gave me the faith to do so, opened my eyes, drew me to Him and said, look, here I am. I'm the answer to all your problems. And I was like, yes, finally. It took a few times, but then I said yes. 
<laughs> and then it was after that moment, it was about what I believed. And God has is deconstructed and continues to deconstruct my thinking of the all that I brought into the kingdom with me. And then after I got into the kingdom, there were some years of religion that he had to deconstruct too. And they have everything to do with the wealth and, and the poverty mindset. That I'm operating out of, out of one or the other at any given moment. The wealth mindset, again, it says I have an abundance, I have a surplus, I have in excess everything that I could ever need in my life. Spirit, soul, and body. Everything that I'll never, I'll never do, I'll never do without. Who's ever been afraid of financial problems, financial things, and then, and then God showed up? Who's ever done it more than once? Right? I've, <laughs> I've done it so many times, I can't even, I can't count. I've done it so many times in ministry because we, we live by faith. We, we literally live by faith, but we're all really living by faith in our jobs, right? <laughs> You have faith that you're going to continue to get a paycheck. It's all faith. It's just, it's, some seem like more faith than others. But I've watched God time after time show up in all of those situations until it, there, there came a point to where it was absurd for me to be, be afraid again. He, he's never, ever guilted me, shamed me, ridiculed me, made fun of me, mocked me, been sarcastic to me. He's never done any of those things when I've been afraid continuously in the area of, of finances. But he has done this, is that he's reminded me of truth to get to the root of why am I why am I scared? What, what's, making me, what's making me afraid? Because there's a root to that thing. And evidently I'd only been dealing with the branches of the tree and I had not gotten to the root of it. Because it, it, it hadn't transformed my mind yet. Because my first thought, it hadn't completely transformed my, my mind yet because my first thought still was to be afraid. My first thought was, what if he doesn't? And even that thought should, honestly, what if he doesn't? <laughs> he still sent Jesus for me. But he always has. He's always come through, and he'll always come through in, in excess. And, and those practical examples in our lives of the testimony of the goodness of God help transform our minds in a way that bring us into the reality that that's, that's the kingdom. That's, that is the kingdom. It's in excess. And so when I begin to believe that, what it does to me is I realize that all of the things that I need in a, on, my, on a daily basis in the area of faith, hope, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, I have in excess. I have more than enough of those things at all times. And the only thing that dictates otherwise is the way that I feel in any given moment. I don't feel hopeful. I don't feel joyful. I don't feel peace. Those are all, our feelings are a terrible master, but a great indicator of what I'm believing in any moment. So I make my feelings work for me, because that's what God has taught me. Your feelings should work for you, not me working for my feelings. For a lot of years, I've been a, we, we, we're us feelers, right? We're, we're feelers, a lot, but until we learn to actually walk in the authority that we have as sons and daughters over our feelings, being a feeler was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. <clears throat> because at any given moment, I could walk into a building and be angry or depressed or suicidal or whatever was in that sphere of uh, influence 
that was around me in that atmosphere, or it goes deeper as I could drive into a city and begin to feel hopeless, because hopelessness is the atmosphere of the city. And then I take that on when I don't have, when I'm not using my feelings to work for me, and I'm working for them, all of those things begin to dictate how I live. And in the current climate, our cities and our nations filled with fear. And so it's easy to, we're going to live in, in, in opposition to it and destroy it, or we'll live under submission to it and live by it. And the good news is, is that Jesus gave us the power to choose, and he gave us practical principles to be able to teach us how to not continually be dic- uh, live by our feelings. It's good news. It, it's, it's really the gospel. And so I want to open up with uh, Romans 15, 13. <laughs> and then I want to get into, I, want to, I'm going to, I plan to lay a little bit of a foundation of what we are created for, um, how we do it, and hopefully get to this beautiful this beautiful point of how we continually live in, in, in abounding hope. Whoever, I love what Steve Macklin says, whoever has the most hope has the most influence. And we all have some measure of hope, and we're growing in hope, and I get to choose how much hope I live out of on a daily basis. <clears throat> that excites me. That excites me because... Nothing else in the world it can, as long as I don't let it dictate the amount of hope that I live out of. Is that one person's perspective, I mean, it's just like that song that they were singing this morning. Is that when, when no one else was looking. I sing quietly when only the cops were looking. When no one else was looking, you found me. I have a choice in that statement. Because when no one else is looking, you can stop there and be like, nobody else was looking for me but you, Jesus. And then I start to throw a pity party, and I'm, I'm all focused on why these other people aren't thinking about me. Why aren't you called me? Why aren't you text me? Why aren't you going to my house? Can I tell you something? After you've been a Christian for so long, people shouldn't have to hunt you down. You just know what to do. So then you get to the house of God, right? Or get online if you can't make it. You know what I mean? And then Monday through, Monday through Sunday, I get in the Word and get in His presence. It's really, it's really, I mean, it's relatively simple. I'm not being, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm being serious. It is relatively simple. It's, I, I focus on Him in the moment that I wake up every morning and throughout my day, I'm living in dialogue, in oneness with Jesus. In some days, I do better than others. But I don't beat myself up over the days that I don't do so great. I just know that I didn't focus that much. And that I focus on this one thing, is that His love never changes. And when I focus on that one thing, that His love never changes, it should never make me lazy in Christianity. It should actually cause me to be more fervent passionate, more on fire, because I realize that I can't do anything to change his love for me. Because that statement is that no one else was looking, but you found me. And then when I focus on you found me, which is what I should focus on in that statement, in that, is that the bridge? No, bridge? I've learned a few just a couple of things, bridge. I can't tell you the difference between a bridge and a chorus, but <clears throat> I guessed on that one. But, but you, you found me, and I, I focused on that God was, he was looking for me, and then what, what's it do? It raises my, my expectancy, which is my hope level. That if he chased me down when nobody wanted anything to do with me, for some of us that makes more sense than others, when he chased me down to my darkest hour, when, when nobody else wanted to be around me, when I burned bridges and broken relationships and hurt people, and, and, and I was uh, a nuisance to even be led in the house, 
God chased me down in the most unlikely of places. He wanted to be around me. That raises my hope. You know why? We're getting ready to read it. In Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope, He's the God of hope. When He comes on the scene, there's hope. If I think He's there and there's no hope, I question whether or not He's there. If somebody's preaching the gospel to me or they're preaching biblical truth to me and it doesn't have hope, I question whether or not it comes from the God of hope. Doesn't matter. Beginning of the book, middle of the book, end of the book, it doesn't matter. Has to have hope if it has God in it. He's the God of, he's the God of hope. He can't help it. He's, he's, he's the God of hope. He, he's just, it's what he is. He's like being love. He is love. Come on. Now, may the God of hope, I know it's profound. Write it down, study it, meditate on it. It actually is helping me. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's break this down just a little bit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. May He fill you with all joy. How much is all joy? As much as you can handle. The God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace. Fill you with all joy and it's the end means that I can add all to peace too. That word is, we can trace it back to the word shalom. It's arene in the Greek. You want a little bit more? I'll give you a little bit more today. Arene. It actually comes from that word shalom, which is wholeness. It's nothing missing. Nothing lacking. It's physical healing. It, it is prosperity in every realm spirit soul and body it breaks the power uh, that chaos thinks it has in any situation or the authority that chaos thinks it has in any situation so with that he fills me with all peace i have everything that i need in that in that one word everything that i need now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace and so right there i've got everything i could stop <clears throat> that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul goes on. He like could have stopped after all joy and all peace. He's like, really, that's all you need. But God is a God of excess. That's why he says, <laughs> he uses the word abound, which in the Greek, the definition is superabound. I don't know of any other words that are like that, but I like that a lot. Super abound in a hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That word means to be in excess in quality or quantity. Mm. So I can have an excess in quality and an excess in quantity. That means that what I have, I was never intended to keep to myself. That's why he's given it to me in excess. So that I can always be giving away what I, I have. But when I'm focused on the negative, and I have a choice on, in this on a daily basis, when I focus on what is, whatever is not giving me hope, or whatever does not involve hope, then I, I, I shut the doors, so to speak, to my life. Did you know that we were meant to be, to meant to be a door, an access point? Psalms 24 says, Psalms 24, 7, let me read it to you. 7 through 10, it says, And be lifted up, you everlasting doors. For the longest time, I read that, I'm like, door? I don't know what that means. You call me a door. <laughs> you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. So then it starts to paint a picture. Verse 8, who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Verse 9, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift, <laughs> lift up, you everlasting doors. That's like that verse that Aureli started out with in Philippians 4.4. 4. She was talking about it in the prayer room. I don't know if she said it when she prayed this morning. But it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Sometimes it takes us a little bit to get it, right? We're just like, it's warming up. 
you know, greasing the gears. And so the writer of Psalm 24 says it again. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, who is the King of glory. So now let, let me paint you a picture. Genesis 28, there's uh, around verse 10 to about verse 17, there's this. Jacob is the passage that I actually refer to as Jacob's, Jacob's ladder. And Jacob is on his way to Beersheba. He stops in a place that the author of Genesis leaves unnamed. And he lays down to sleep at night and uh, uses a rock for a pillow. <laughs> they mention that he takes this rock, puts it under his head, and I'm like, he must have been really tired because <laughs> I ain't sleeping on a rock. And I've, I've slept in some compromising places, though, so I probably shouldn't say that I, that I wouldn't sleep with a rock under my head. I remember sleep anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was going to take you back, but we're not going to go back there. <laughs> And so he uses this rock for a blow, and then as he goes to sleep, he starts to dream. And in his dream, there's a ladder that's set up. The bottom part is on the ground, the top part is in heaven, and God is standing above the ladder, and the angels of God are ascending and descending in his dream. And God begins to make him this incredible promise about his descendants being like the dust of the ground, and... He's, he's just speaking this encouraging word into his life. And then Jacob wakes up from the dream. And he is, can you imagine? The, I mean, God appeared in your dream. There's a ladder that's set up. You're seeing angels. I mean, that's a good dream to me. I like those dreams. I like to have one every night. <clears throat> and he wakes up. And he's, he's a little bit freaked out, a little bit afraid, but excited at the same time. And, and he says, surely God is in this place. And I did not know it. I never want to be that person. Surely God's in this place and I don't know it. And I'm grateful that, that God has made all of us a people who recognize when God's in a place. And he says, surely this is the gate of heaven. Right here. He's like, where I was dreaming, where I went to sleep, where I put my head on this rock. This right here is the gate of heaven. And so in the Old Testament... Oftentimes, what, where God was, was a place, right? He was in the Holy of Holies. He would meet with Moses on the mountain. It, he was, even though he was, he's always been omnipresent, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying where he made himself visible and experiential was in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, when he was meeting with priests, kings and prophets, right? And some <clears throat> other choice people, but it wasn't, it wasn't until Jesus came in John chapter 1 and you get through all this prophetic, <clears throat> amazing 20-some verses <clears throat> until John baptizes Jesus and announces Him to be the Lamb of God and the Savior of the world. And then you get down to where Jesus gives what seems to be to Nathaniel a profound word of knowledge. Nathaniel's coming to him because Philip had went and got him. Philip said, hey, look, I think we found, we found him. We found the Savior of the world. He come out of Nazareth. And he's like, what good could come out of Nazareth? I don't know anything about Nazareth, but I'm sure that there's some towns you can think of that would be like that. You're like, what good could come out of, name the neighborhood. I'm not going to fill in the blank. <laughs> and it wouldn't be true, right? <laughs> And so if Philip's like, come on and see. And Nathaniel, as he's coming towards Jesus, he says, there's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or guile. That's what his name means. There is no deceit in, in him, in you. And Nathaniel looks at him, he's like, never seen you before, don't know what you're talking about, how do you know me? And he said, before Philip found you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel freaks out. Loses it. You are the king of the world. You are the savior of the world. You are. I mean, he pretty much announces over what seemed to be a simple word of knowledge, though it was profound. But you can tell how when a word of knowledge is supposed to bring life to somebody when it's released through us. 
The word of knowledge actually is not just information, it's impartation of the love of God in that moment that says, I see you and I know you and I love you. And so Jesus demonstrates and models that it's not just information. And in that moment, Jesus is like, you think that was profound? He says, soon you'll see greater things than these. You'll see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And those two references in Genesis 28 and the end of John chapter 1 are parallels. There's parallels in the Old and New Testament. There's foreshadows of things that come to fruition in the New Testament. And so Jesus, what once was a place, becomes a person. And so no longer will somebody say God is actually in this place, but God is, it makes the reality of Him being omnipresent because He, be, he came upon a people. And Jesus demonstrated what that would look like. And He says in that statement essentially is that now what was for Jacob a dream where heaven opened up, I actually became that access point. And my life is wide open to release the hope that comes from the God of all hope. And he shows us, demonstrates to us, what it looks like to be a gate or an access point in our lives. And you and I were created to be access points to hope. Is that I can close off the doors. He, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, religious leaders, for making people making it harder for people to get into the kingdom than what it was ever supposed to be. Right? Because the kingdom's open to everyone. And you and I found out that reality when God found us. And when that reality begins to transform my mind, my focus will no longer be what's internal, which doesn't mean that I don't tend to my own heart, It doesn't mean that I don't deal with still funky attitudes or maybe I get a hold of some bitterness or unforgiveness, which is something, or take on offense or whatever it is. We still deal with all that stuff. That's called being emotionally healthy. I'm aware of that. It says in Proverbs, it says, with all diligence, guard your heart. That doesn't mean protect it. It means be aware of what's in it. Jesus guards my heart. Before Jesus, I guarded my own heart. I don't need to guard my heart. Now Jesus has got me. When I get hurt, when I get hurt my heart tells me otherwise. It goes, back to, it goes back to the poverty mindset, which is it fears lack. What's fearing lack? I fear protection. You can't protect me, didn't protect me last time, won't protect me again. You know what that goes over into? It, it, become, it became the main reason that I lived out of fear. Which flowed over into finances. Which flowed over into every area of my life. As you, didn't, you didn't provide protection here. You won't provide money here. You didn't provide protection here. You won't provide healing here. You didn't pro- provide protection here. You won't provide this breakthrough here. So it goes into all these areas. When I've been hurt, I must know what's in my heart so that I can let Jesus heal it. Because he wants to more than I want him to. It's just a matter of whether or not I'm willing to let him. I I have become an access point to hope, but the only way that I keep the doors wide open, that I become that gate that swings wide open for all of the the world to see the King of Glory come in through my life, is by maintaining a healthy heart. Mm. That's why community is so important. That's why some people run from community because I don't have to deal with being confronted if I run from community. Or I'll go find a community of believers who aren't healthy and don't do that confrontation thing because then I don't have to deal with it. Right? I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to want to be the last one in, the first one out, slipping, you know what I mean? And and not have to, because... Because being in my prayer closet alone with Jesus, I feel like a rock star. I'm having encounters. I'm seeing the world, you know, prophetic words for the world. And I'm seeing nations change. You know, like the globe is on fire. I'm like, yes! (laughs) Jesus is amazing! 
And then 15 minutes later, I'm bickering with my wife over something that's, that's dumb. It's because that encounter has to translate in a healthy relationship or there actually hasn't been any transformation in my life. But we celebrate progress. So when I look and I, I see in those, those spats or those things that aggravate me, I remind myself of this. I remind myself that there's things that I used to really blow out of proportion. That fights that used to last 48 hours now last 15 minutes. Right? The thing that may still just aggravate me just a tiny bit, you know, it only aggravates me a tiny bit when it used to, I, I lose my joy, I give my joy away over it. Because you, 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 nobody can take your joy. It's given away. Nobody can take your peace, it's given away. It's all, it's all a choice in the kingdom because you and I are powerful people. And how could I ever be hopeless if the God of hope lives on the inside of me? And so reminding myself of these truths because I realize that all of us are growing. We're growing up in the Lord. We are maturing. I see it in your lives. I see it in my life. I see it when I look in the mirror. We are growing up in Him. These things have to be priority in our lives. The priority, let me say it this way, the priority of our lives has to be my beliefs. And what I don't do is focus on the negative things that I still believe. I focus on the positive things that I am growing in, but I still recognize the negative things that I believe so that I can get rid of those things or anything that's in my heart, in the garden of my heart, so that I can become the most hopeful person in any room. That's what we were created to be, is that no matter what it looks like on TV, no matter what somebody's telling me in, in the, you know, wherever you're hearing the best gossip at or whatever the, the news that, that's, a, that's a downer, right? <laughs> there's news and there's good news. <laughs> the gospel is good news. Most other news that you watch will not be good news. It may be informative, <laughs> But it may not, but it's not going to be good news. It's not going to raise my hope level up until I can get to the place that I can actually see past the darkness, even in all of the negative, and I can see the good. Because when the news is still affecting me negatively, it is only an indicator that my beliefs aren't at the highest place yet. And that's okay. But I am pro I am I am growing. <clears throat> So you and I get the privilege, and I'm going I'm to wrap up with, with this beautiful verse in, in Romans 5. But you and I get the privilege of being an access point. That's what we've become. We've become the access point of heaven. Isn't that exciting? And the good news, it, more good news for you, is that there's no pressure in it. There's no pressure to perform. You don't have to try to keep the gates open of your life. All I need to do is enjoy Him. And I focus on what I've been telling you, one truth that I need in this season. What's the truth that's going to be most impactful in my life in this season? And I meditate on it. Holy Spirit knows what that is for you. Simple. I've been meditating on this. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. I thought when he told me that, way too simple. Got to be more. Past that one. All right? Grew past that. Whoa. I know none of you have ever been like this, but I, I've been like this before when I thought, heard that before. Don't need to hear that again. I already get revelation on that. I will say something that I, I need to recant something that I said on Wednesday night is that I told you that there are absolutes, which there are, in the gospel. Jesus, the only way, his blood atones for sin, born of a virgin, right? Crucified, died, buried, rose from the dead, on earth 40 days, then ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. Those are absolutes. My theology will never change about those things. 
But I said that we could never get a greater revelation on, on that, and that's not true. I don't mean in what he, I don't mean in the facts of what he did. I mean on what he, what actually it caused, the finished work at the cross. I can continually get a, we're not moving on from the finished work at the cross. It's the foundation. I got the finished work of the cross, ready to move into prophecy, we're moving to healing, miracles, see people saved, let's go. Right? But the finished work of the cross is actually the foundation of everything. And me continually getting a, a revelation of the finished work of the cross actually causes me to be more effective in every other area of my life. It raises my hope in every situation. Because I'm continually growing in the revelation of what Jesus did at the cross, what it accomplished for, for me and for all of mankind. It's beautiful. I love it. It's, it, oh, it is, it is everything. So it, we can continually grow in all of our beliefs, higher levels of revelation in everything. There's a... A thing in maturity that says, I've grown past that, and I don't need that anymore. If I ever get that, it's the, uh, I don't want to call it a demon, but it's, uh, it's not like a my ministry demon, but um, I had one of those one time, got free from it. All about my ministry. <laughs> But it, it is, it, it's a thing in maturity that's actually the, it's actually the world's maturity. It's not kingdom maturity. Because in the kingdom, the more mature I get, the more I grow down to be a little child. I become more childlike in my faith as I'm maturing in the Lord. The world's maturity says that I grow up and I actually don't need some of that stuff anymore. Not for me. Don't need to hear that anymore. Just give me some meat. Right? That's, that's, you, I've been there. I, I, I know. I know what it feels like. And like all the basic principles of the gospel don't apply to me anymore. I've been learning that for a long time. <laughs> if I've got it, I will be, this, this verse in Romans 15, 13, I will be the poster child for it. <laughs> Everywhere I go, my hope will be so high that it will tick people off. And bring people to Jesus. It's going to do one or the other. <laughs> Maybe both in the same person. I'm okay with that. Not trying to. But just want to be an access point of hope into the world. So this is how I know that I'm growing. And that my hope level is rising. And when it's not, I catch it. I catch it and I use my feelings. What I was talking about at the beginning. Practical principle here. I use my feelings to be an indicator of what I'm believing in that moment is that I don't feel hopeful. Then I say, why not? Holy Spirit, why not? Why do I not feel hopeful in this moment? Because the God of all hope lives inside of me and it should be impossible for me not to be hopeful. So that means it leads me back to my thinking. Remember what I said, Jesus is the answer. It's always about my beliefs. Jesus is the answer and it's always about my beliefs. It's, it's those two. That's what it boils down to for me. I'm not saying there's not more added to it, but I want to simplify it. So it, it, it comes down to what are my feelings telling me in this moment? Because when I don't, these, this verse, now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace. So when I don't have peace, point back to my hope level, find out what, what I'm believing that's not true. When I don't have joy, they're like triplets. Hope, joy, and peace. Right? When I don't have joy, it points me back to my hope. Because I can't have joy or peace without hope. It's impossible. It's the way the kingdom works. If I've got one of those, other, those last two, joy and peace, then I've got hope. I've, uh, it, it may not be evident to me at that time, but my beliefs are so high in that particular area that I am living out of peace. The wholeness that I was created to. I've got joy, which is strength. It does produce laughter, right? But if you're not laughing and you're very strong because of joy, I'd take that over laughter. Though if it's in your heart, we believe that it'll be on your face. 
<laughs> you sing that song before? Joy, 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 down in my heart, right? Down in my heart. I'm just saying, don't just keep it there. Down in my heart to stay. I like it. Catchy tune. I didn't. I didn't I, maybe I did sing it when I first got saved. But it, it, it produces... It produces something in my appearance. You can tell a lot from body language. And so, if you're adjusting how you're sitting, you're like. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just giving some practical things. Live in tension all of the time, not living in peace. I know what that's like. I feel it on the back of my neck when I'm like that. I know when I am not resting in the finished work at the cross. It's right here. If I feel it physically. God is giving us some keys that are practical, that can point to what we believe so that He can transform more of our thinking so that our revelation that we currently have will go to a higher level, so that our hope that we currently have will go to a higher level, so that our influence will increase. That's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to increase the influence that we have because you and I, the beliefs that we currently have, we can't take with us into the next level of influence because some of you are created to influence some of the key leaders and government people in our nation and in other nations. And some of the thinking that we currently have, we can't, we can't take there. And that's okay, because Holy Spirit planned for this to take place. That means that He is going, He is in the process. He is helping, all right? Some of the attitudes that we have, we can't take into the next season. That's good. That excites me. Because that me, if He's telling me that, that means that He already has a plan in place for it, and I don't have to figure it out. All I need to do is focus on this one thing. Now, let me close with this. Romans 5. Romans 5.5, 5. I'm going to read through verse 8. It says, hmm. Romans 5.5, 5. I'm just listening for a moment there to see if I was headed in the right direction. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, who is given to us. Let, let, me, let me stop there before I, I read, before I read the rest of that. Now, this hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Have you ever had hope that was disappointed? Right? Me too. I read this verse confusing for a long time. Now this hope does not disappoint because that's the key word in that, in that scripture. Now, this, now hope does not disappoint. This kind of hope. He's talking about a different kind of hope than you and I have had that, have, that has been disappointed before because this hope doesn't disappoint. So there must be different kinds of hope. There's hope that is reliant upon something that's in the natural and it stays there. It doesn't mean, I am not saying that we don't hope for a better job. It doesn't mean that we don't hope for you, whatever your dreams are. You want a better house, you want kids, you want spouse, you want whatever, right? You hope for all of these things because contentment that Paul was talking about in Philippians 4 does not mean we settle. That contentment that Paul was talking about is actually that abound, we're abounding in excess, which means that I do things in excellence, and I, I may be full, but I'm never satisfied. Being full but not satisfied means that I'm content with what I have right now in this season, but because there's more, I'm pursuing more of God, and when I do that, in Matthew 6, it says, seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. So I, make, I get my priorities in order. I seek first the kingdom and then all the other things. I don't seek first godly wealth. I want to make more money. I want to do this. Even if I have good intentions, if I seek that first, I'm going to end up in a bad place. 
I must seek first the kingdom because then with that, I'll get what, what God wants me to have in excess, but I'll also get something that's far more important with it. I'll get godly wisdom. Because wealth in the hand of a Christian is to be weapon. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. Enjoy it. God doesn't care about you having stuff. He just cares about stuff having us. <laughs> when I won't let go of it, then I got a problem. So when my hope is in the wrong place, it, it can be disappointed. And I am not saying that you'll never be disappointed again if you get this reality that I'm getting ready to tell you that I'm growing in. <clears throat> I'm telling you that the disappointment won't shipwreck your faith. That's what's most important. It says now... It says nothing. It says, <laughs> that's all right. You should, I wouldn't have kept it up that long. Uh, now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So that means that when I focus on the reality that He loves me, the revelation that He loves me, what I'm getting ready to read right here, when I focus on this, in verse 6 it says, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good, good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That, that is, that's all of it. Curtain call, mic drop, whatever you want to say, that is it. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. He just said, for someone that's really good, someone might think about dying, right? You might, you're like, oh, I'd probably die for my kids, probably die for my spouse, maybe, depends on what day of the week it is, how I'm feeling about it at the moment. <laughs> Not my wife, she'd die for me anytime, but but you're like, you know somebody who's, I like, I like Aaron Judge, he's an amazing baseball player, he's a Christian, he, you know what I mean, I like him, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to lay my life down for you, bro, right? That's what Paul's saying, he's painting a picture of what it looks like, and then points us to the one who said, when you did not care when you were living in sin lost and the only thing that we were bound for was hell when that was it when your one-way ticket was to the place of eternal judgment christ came he came he came this is love let me show you what love looks like he put on flesh then he put on a crown of thorns then he laid down on a cross and they let him drive spikes into his feet and into his, into his wrists or hands, whatever you believe, whichever one. He was still there. And love fastened him on that thing. And he breathed his last breath with us in mind. It said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He's like, I'll put up with this momentary separation from the Father. He became an orphan for a moment so we could become sons and daughters for, a, for eternity, not just a lifetime. I'll put up with this momentary, insane beating in pain so that I can have you. And you can put your name in that place so that I can have you and I can have you. I can have you and you and you and you. Every one of you. Every one of you that's watching. It's like in, it, it, he died for the ungodly. For every person that hates him and ridicules him has ever made fun of him, and even at the cross when they mocked him, beat him, spit on him, right, throwing dice for his garments, it was all, it was all in the, it was all in the plan. So he could show us what love really looks like, and he says to us in this passage, if you'll focus on the fact that I poured out love in your heart by the Holy Spirit, because Jesus died for you, took your place, if you'll focus on that and you'll allow your hope to be rooted and grounded in the reality of that truth right there, then your hope will be immovable and unshakable because your hope will be in the right place. He says, just put it in me. 
Put it in what I did. All of this other, all this other stuff that's going around in the world, there's no sureties. Tomorrow's not promised. Don't know about all that. Right? Not even gonna, he, he tells his, his disciples that. We ought to listen to it. He's like, don't focus on tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Doesn't mean we don't plan and all those things. I'm not saying that. He said, don't live there. Don't worry about it because you may not make it there. All this stuff could wrap up in a moment. But what I want you to focus on is what I did for you. Because then your hope is secure in the foundation of love. And you'll become immovable and your hope will stay at a level because all of your beliefs will begin to be filtered through that reality. Mm. And then lies can't pass through love without being changed to truth. Because he's truth and he's love. And so when my beliefs are rooted in that place of what he did for me, then my mind begins to get transformed at a rapid pace. It's not a race, but I sure do want my beliefs to be changed even more quickly than what they are now. And that doesn't mean I try harder. It just means I focus more. For all the things, just like that song they sang, oh, there's a lot of things crying out for my attention. Right? There's a lot of things that want my attention, want your attention. And God's saying, focus on this. Focus on this truth. You can see all those other things that you need to do through that reality, and you'll see it through eyes of hope, eyes of love. You'll live in peace. Your joy will be so much more than what you have right now. <clears throat> we were created to be in abounding hope on a daily basis. And you and I have a great big head start to this <laughs> because your hope is growing all of the time, wouldn't you say? Uh, your hope is growing all of the time. There's lies that are being broken, right? You're getting more truth. There's things that you believed six months ago that you're like, ah, that's not true. That's not the highest form of truth anymore. I'm growing. So focus on those testimonies of the goodness of God, the reality of that truth, and, and we're, we're going into this place where our hope will never be disappointed. It'll be unshakable because it's in the right place. So if you would stand with me. Jesus is so good, isn't he? Man. What would you think about when I said Jesus is so good? Did you think? How my, how my life is going right now, what position I'm in, where I'm living, who I'm with, who I'm not with. Where'd my mind go? Those things tell me what I'm defining him by, defining his goodness by. I define it by that. Romans 5. When we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That makes him good. And that's all I need to know. A lot of other things are mystery to me. But all those other things can't define his goodness. He's just good because he sent Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that you are redefining things to us, that you are growing us in truth. I thank you that I'm in a room full of people and people that are watching online that are growing in hope, in abounding hope, hope in excess, joy in excess, peace in excess. I thank you for all the fruit of the Spirit overflowing in every person's life. I thank you for us focusing on that one truth that remains. A lot of other things are being shaken. But that one truth remains. Jesus paid it all. He paid it. He finished it. And he made us access points to it. So we thank you. We thank you that we get to be gates and doors to hope I thank you that I'm with people that their door is wide open to releasing the God of all hope to everybody around them and I thank you for every place that we're growing, every place that we're progressing in, in hope and in 
our minds being transformed. It's just beautiful that we get to engage in this process with you and with one another. So thank you for the reality of the gospel happening in our lives. That we're being changed and lives around us are being changed. I even feel like there's people in the room, maybe even watching, that you need to know that your life's making an impact especially on the people that you're not seeing fruit right now, but God is at work. He's at, I even feel like there's been people that have prayed this week, like, I don't, when am I going to see something in this person's life? When, when am I going to see some fruit out of my labor? <laughs> Paul, that's, I believe that's one of the reasons Paul said, don't grow weary in well-doing. You're going to reap the timing's up to him and so father thank you for the for the hope rising for the people that we don't see fruit in their lives right now because that once was us <laughs> people watched our lives for years i know mine and said where's the fruit <laughs> and now we get to be an example of what it looks like of the love that sent Jesus for us. And so thank you for our testimony always staying in the forefront of our minds. We've seen, us seeing people through the grace that made it possible for us to be who we are today and that we're going into. So thank you for that, that reality, that kingdom truth. Thank you for the gospel being released in every sphere of influence that we have. And thank you that our hope is rising and so is our influence. Thank you that our city's being changed and so is our nation. Thank you. Help us all to see past what we believe isn't happening into the unseen realm where there's a whole lot that's happening. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I bless everything that you're doing in every person's life. I thank you for rapid growth in every person. Thank you for rapid growth in every person. Thank you that beliefs are changing. Thank you for highlighting, even this day, maybe even right now, highlighting one thing that we're believing that's not not at the highest level of revelation, not, not bringing us as much hope as it could and replacing it with the truth, the higher truth. Yeah, thank you for doing that for us today. Thank you that we get to partner with you in that. In Jesus' name, thanks God. <laughs> thanks God. Ooh, prayer team, if you, if you would. Please come. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not saying you can't get prayer for healing or any of those other things. By all means, don't leave here with pain or sickness in your body. <clears throat> or if you need a breakthrough in another area... I'm not trying to dictate what you, are get, what you want to get prayer for. Maybe you got something on your mind already. But I am asking you, if there's something that you're believing that you know is not true right now, and you, you want somebody to partner with you in prayer and say, hey, I just want to say this, because there's power in our words, and there's power in agreement. It's the truth of the gospel. There's power in agreement. I'm not saying you can't do it by yourself, you and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes there's that thing that I believe that's in my heart that I know needs tended to and that James 5 scripture becomes, it comes into play. Confess your faults to one another so that you may be healed. It doesn't apply to every situation, but it does apply to some situations. And I think that there's, there's a possibility that it applies to some in the room today. It's that thing I talked about, you're tending to our hearts, paying attention to what's in there and knowing that you're not doing this alone. You're in a community of believers who care about you and love you. <clears throat> Sometimes it takes stepping out and saying, 
saying something to, to find that out. Because <clears throat> the enemy loves for us to believe that we're isolated and we're in this alone. That's just not true. Right? We've all that have been here for a while have thought that at some point. <laughs> even, even me, right? You're like, oh, you think that. Well, it's a story for another time. I know that's not true. And so, yeah, if you would, just come. If you got something, the Holy Spirit's revealing to you. I'm not trying to get you to force something. But you're like, I just need to confess this to somebody and know that you're in a no condemnation, no shame zone. You're not going to get any of that here. Just not going to happen. So thank you, Father, for what you're getting ready to do and what you are doing. Bless every person watching. Thank you that everything that we're getting, they're getting. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for being here. We love you guys. So grateful we get to be in this with you. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.